Thanks, Jen. Um, isn't she the best? I think she's our hottest announcement person. person. Some of you who are visiting today are like, dude, what did you just do with that? She's my wife, so don't freak out. Um, uh, and hey, just real quick, I wanted to share with you yesterday uh, something that was really cool that the JAR did. We have a surf fest once a month. I'd encourage any of you to come. And yesterday, we passed out 85 light bulbs to an apartment complex uh, in our neighborhood uh, to kind of show God's love to them. And then we also uh, passed out two dozen donuts and uh, several coolers of pop and that kind of stuff to guys at the bus station. And uh, I just want to say that on July 4th, like if you're going to be in town, come to this cookout because it's going to be a lot of fun. We have 500 necklaces. And if only five people show up, that's 100 necklaces apiece, okay? They will get beat up in Muncie Central, okay? So um, everyone come, and if you're in town, just say you'll come. Be a part of the cookout, then you can enjoy, uh, you know, the 4th of July uh, with your family. Well, today is Father's Day, and uh, happy Father's Day to all of our dads, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. And, you know, here at the JAR, we have some manly fathers. I mean, we don't have just little punks, you know what I mean? Uh, we have some fathers that are tough guys. And uh, so uh, we want to honor all of our manly fathers today with a video that we put together to uh, kind of endorse your manliness. So take a look at the screen. This here's the main call. There's Mikey tossing around a pigskin. There's Derek writing up a business expense. There's Mikey eating a cheeseburger. There's Derek crying openly at Old Yeller. There's someone I know chopping wood. There's Mikey waking up and not hitting the snooze button. There's Derek causing the ladies to stumble. There he is trying to grow some chest hair. There's Mikey alone with his thoughts. There's Derek respecting a lady like his mama taught him. There he is again, saluting the Duke. There's Mikey consuming American soil. There's Derek maintaining his beard. There he is reading his favorite book. There's Mikey opening a pickle jar. There's Derek laughing at someone shorter than him. There he is fixing his dad's cheek that ain't broke. There's Mikey wrestling a bear at night. There's Derek taking one for the team. There's Mikey grilling out for one. There's Derek playing with the puppy. Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. There's Mikey sharpening a knife. There's Derek getting his Rambo on. There's Mikey eating his vegetables. Your mother. problem with that was we chose the two most unmanly men uh, in the entire church, but it was the best we could do on short notice, okay? Um, hey, you know, one, one of the sad things uh, about our culture is that in the media, often uh, dads are kind of presented as uh, buffoons or clowns or fools, and uh, here at the JAR, uh, 
we have some remarkable dads. We have some remarkable fathers. We have dads who are fully engaged with their kids. We have some dads who uh, are spiritually intentional about making sure that their kids are uh, raised in a Christian home. We have uh, devoted single dads. We have some awesome uh, granddads uh, who bring their grandkids here each Sunday. We have some uh, just remarkable dads uh, that are in this church. And uh, if you're a dad or a soon-to-be dad, um, what I'd like is uh, for you to stand here in just a second. And ladies, what I'd like for you to do is, um, after we're all done with this, once they stand, I'd like you to cheer and hoot and holler, almost like Oprah's last day, okay? <laughs> just kind of imagine that we're here and that's it, you know, and you're so excited. Um, so just imagine Oprah standing, okay? And uh, so if you're a dad or a soon-to-be dad, if you could just please stand up and uh, ladies, go ahead. Good job. Now, guys, stay standing. Stay standing. Some of you, that's why I always know the difference between guys or dads and moms. Moms, they would have said a long time ago, dads are like, hey, I'm the man. You know, today's my day. Uh, so what I'd like to do is just kind of pray a blanket prayer uh, for all of you guys. And uh, let's just pray. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much that you are a remarkable father. Thank you for the fact that you are a father who never walks away, who never leaves us, who never forsakes us. We thank you this morning, God, for your wisdom and your unconditional love. Thank you for forgiving us when we flub up or mess up or screw up in this thing called life. God, I thank you for the dads of the jar today who more and more each day just want to follow you and be like you. Give them your wisdom and your strength as dads to do what you've called them to do and to be the fathers that you've called them to be. Father, each uh, dad who's standing here right now is at a different stage of parenting. Some of them are are just kind of beginning. And some of them have uh, kids who are adults and they're out of the house. Some of these dads right now, God, they, they have a lot of stress that's going on in their home. And I just pray, would you, would you give them your peace in their home? Would you help them to be the first one to have a greater amount of patience and understanding, even in stressful times? God, whether it's uh, changing a diaper or uh, running kids to an event or having to be the disciplinarian, give them the strength to stand up and be the first one to serve like a godly man. Now, God, some of these uh, dads just need to know today that you are protecting and taking care of their kids. Some dads here, um, their kids are kind of estranged. Or um, maybe they just live a long way away. 
And they haven't really talked too much to their kids lately. And for some of them, God, they, they've had some issues, some struggles. And so I pray for your healing in that relationship um, between that father and, and that child. That you would turn back the hearts of their children to them. God, some dads might be standing there right now today and they may be thinking, man, I have made some huge mistakes. And I just pray that today, God, you would remind them that you forgive them and challenge them today that if maybe there's something between them and one of their kids that they would be the first one to pick up the phone today on Father's Day and uh, would call their kids and try to make things right. Give them the courage, God, to uh, seek forgiveness if that's needed. God, I know that today there are some dads who are here that they've lost their kids. And Father's Day is a hard day. So God, would you just come alongside them right now and, and would you just love them? That you would remind them that you are the God of life and that you promise resurrection. And that this is not all that there is, that they will see them once again. So God, whether the dad who's standing right now is just expecting a child or they have a newborn or a preschooler or a high schooler or a grown child, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give divine wisdom so that they could be the best dad that they can be. Thank you for these men who are standing, God. You've given them a high call to be a father. Bless them incredibly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give our dads a hand one more time. Okay, we are in week number three of our summer series called Moses, a Journey Toward God. And what I want to look at this morning is this truth, and it's this. God calls everyone. God calls everyone. God calls you, God calls me, and God called Moses. In fact, in the New Testament, what we uh, read and what we understand when we kind of jump into that is that God calls every single one of his followers for a purpose. But the problem is, is that followers have a way of resisting God's call. And Moses does that. And that's what we want to talk about today. If you would, I'd like you to uh, kind of join me as, uh, as I read uh, a section of Exodus 3, and we'll go into Exodus 4 as well. And what I want you to see this morning is the five objections that Moses gives when God calls him, and kind of the five responses that, um, that God gives to each one of these objections. Now, um, anyone cold in here? If everyone's... Okay. Can we cut the air AC a little bit? No? Well, we'll cut it down for you. Okay. Um, what I want you to kind of have a picture of is uh, Moses, what we've talked about. Um, he was in Pharaoh's 
palace, in other words, kind of the presidential palace, and he has been educated in the best ways possible. Um, At his fingertips, he can do anything that he wants. There's anything right there that he can do. But from what we learned from last week, he goes out and he uh, kills a man who was beating up one of his people, an Israelite. And when that happens, Pharaoh goes on the prowl. And Moses runs away. He runs into the desert. He's a fugitive, and now he's a murderer. And it's in the desert, though, that he actually meets God, and he finds his wife and his family. And you would think, oh, that's a great story, but the reality is, is God is not done with him yet. So let's pick up the story in chapter 3. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that this is who I sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I want to begin this morning with one of the most uh, profound statements that has ever kind of been stated regarding the human condition that I've ever heard. I heard it a long time ago from someone that I admired highly. The first time that I ever met them, he drew my respect. Most of you know him. He loves to sail. He's in tremendous physical condition, and he eats unbelievably healthy food. His name is Popeye, the sailor man. 
And when he was sad, or when he made a mistake, or when he felt inadequate, when he felt like he couldn't do something that he had been called to do, he would say something. Anybody remember what he would say? I am what I am. That's what Popeye would say. And if he was really convinced of his inadequacy, he would add to that statement, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Don't get your hopes up too much. Don't expect too much. I am what I am. He's not a sophisticated guy. Papa. He had never been to therapy before. He was not in touch with his inner self. He was not an educated man. He probably could not get a position. He couldn't get a position here at the jar as a small group leader or the senior pastor. Well, maybe the senior pastor. He was just a simple, pipe-smoking, tattoo-wearing, seafaring sailor man. Don't get your hopes up, he would say. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And folks, the reality is, is that this is the state of the human race. The Bible calls me to speak words of life and of truth. But my words often are short and harmful. I deceive people with my words. I manipulate people with my words. I'm called to be a wonderful father, but there are some times that I lose it and I yell at my kids or I ignore them sometimes. I'm called to do justice, but sometimes I can be going down a road and I can see someone in need and I have a blind eye to them because I'm preoccupied with my own little agenda. And you run into these pitfalls as well. We can live a life full of objections of what God calls us to do and His plan for our life. So what I want to do is look at these five objections that Moses gives and that we often give. And then I want us to look at these five responses from a very patient and merciful God. So let's look at the kind of first objection after God calls Moses to confront Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth. God says this in verse 7. He says, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites. And here, God kind of says to Moses, Moses, that's the plan. Just go ahead. Tell Pharaoh that you're going to take his whole labor force out of the country. 
and then just kind of walk on out. Don't let the door hit you in the rear end. Just walk on out after you tell him, let my people go. And this kind of leads to the first objection that Moses has, and it's this. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Moses says, God, this doesn't sound like a very good idea. I mean, you know Pharaoh? It's not the same Pharaoh, but the first Pharaoh wanted to kill me, and now you want me to go back to him. I don't think it sounds very good, God. Just remember, I don't speak very well. And, uh, you know, send my brother Aaron. He's a good speaker. Let him go. I mean, I have a feeling that Moses was kind of saying in his heart during this time, God, if you would have called me 40 years ago when I was strapping 40-year-old, kind of like Chris Bunch turned 40 this week, when I was young and I was educated and I was strong and I had power and Pharaoh loved me, I could have done something like that for you, God. But now I'm 80 years old. I'm a broken down shepherd out in the desert. I'm a fugitive. I'm a murderer. I'm wanted. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I can't do what you ask. I am what I am. And you know what? I've said those words. I mean, maybe... I didn't kill someone physically like Moses did. But I know what it's like for my heart to be weighted down with guilt from something I've done in my life. And to sometimes spend uh, moments late at night looking at the ceiling of our bedroom and just having it replayed in my mind. Man, I wish I would not have said this. I've said those words before to God. I can't do it, God. Don't get your hopes up here with Chris Bunch. I am what I am. And God says to Moses, and God says to you, and God says to me, and God says to a million other Moseses, I know who you are, and it does not matter. It's irrelevant. I will be with you. Your sin, your guilt, your limitations, your flub-ups, your mess-ups, your screw-ups in life, they are no longer the ultimate truth about you. You yam what you yam, but you yam not yet what you yam going to be. For from this day on, I will be with you. You're mine, God says. Folks, That is God's response to Moses' objection. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God says, I will be with you. The greatest promise in the Bible that is stated more than any other is I will be with you. Fathers, let me just speak to you just for a moment. Some of you are here this morning... And you haven't crossed the line of faith. You've been coming, you've been doing, but you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, the center of your life. 
and you have received this amazing grace that comes from God that says there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. I'm going to love you no matter what. And God is saying, I love you. I'm your Father. I will be with you. But, and here's the but, you must turn to me. God is saying, you know what? You may be sitting there right now on Father's Day, and this moment is your burning bush experience. God wants to come to you. He wants to fill you. He wants you to know that you're loved, that you're His man. And some of you dads right now, your heart is pounding right now because you know that God has been saying to you, turn to me. And God's saying today, don't leave this place today as a man without making things right with me, making me the center of your life. And I was thinking about it today, that I can't think of a more masculine, a more manly, a more powerful thing that our fathers could do than today, just between you and God, to say, I'm your man. I'm, ter- I'm taking all of the chips I'm pushing them all in. I'm all in for you, God. Because if you do that, you'll leave the greatest legacy you've ever left in your life to your kids. Because you'll leave a legacy that will go beyond this world into eternity. Because your Heavenly Father is reaching out to you and He's asking, if you turn to me, I will always be with you. I'll always be with you. I'll always be with you. Now, some of you guys are here today, and you are a follower of Jesus, but you just haven't been living in His grace lately. You've been beating yourself up. You've been feeling guilty about this and that, and uh, you have shame over a lot of stuff from your past. I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. I've broken vows. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. I am what I am. And today, God wants to say to you, I know who you are, men. I know each one of you by name. And I want you to know, it does not matter. It's irrelevant. The cross made everything irrelevant. Your sin, your guilt, your limitations... Your shortcomings no longer, that does not define who you are. You yam what you yam, but you are not yet all that you're going to be. And so what I'd like to do is, for all the guys, I'd just like for us, uh, I was praying about it this morning, that we would just say a prayer, and for some of you dads who are here this morning, this may be your time to actually... Yeah, you can't stop on that, you know. I mean, that's, that's too cute. But today might be your time in which uh, you just make it right with God. And that you run into his arms. And on Father's Day of 2011, he said, you know what? I'm your man. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and you guys can pray it after me. And uh, then we'll go on. So let's pray. So, fathers, uh, some of you, you can just pray this prayer um, silently to yourself, but knowing that they are, they are your words. 
Heavenly Father, I accept you into my life today. I accept your son Jesus as the only ticket to heaven and a full life here on earth. Forgive me of my sins, the ones that I know of, and help me today, God, to embrace this day as my burning bush experience. I want you in my life. I want to give you the best of my life for myself, for my kids, and for my family. I want you to have top spot in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if some of you guys said that prayer today, come up to me and tell me. I'd love to celebrate that with you. Well, God said, live in grace, Moses. I will be with you. It doesn't make a difference who you are or what you've done. I will be with you. And you think, oh, that's all he needs. But that's not enough. And so Moses offers his second objection. And that objection is this. Who are you? First he says, who am I that I should go to Moses? And then he says, who are you? In verse 13 it says, Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? In other words, who are you? Now something that's really important to understand uh, in Old Testament times, in Moses' time, your name was just not a name. You know, people just like, they'll just think of a name and then they name their kids. That wasn't the way they named people back in those days. Uh, your name was not so much about your identification or your information. But a name in the Old Testament actually focused in what that person's character is like. So Moses is asking uh, God about his character, about his intentions. He's saying, will I have access to you? Will you be responsive to me? Will you give power? Will you answer my prayer? Will you listen? How do I know that when I call you, you'll always answer? You know, my wife, Jennifer, uh, is an important person in our family. Very important. But she's an important person, actually, in other people's families, too. She's a physician, and so uh, she's a healer of a lot of different uh, families. And uh, the only problem is, is that as a physician, when she's at work, sometimes she's very difficult to get a hold of. And so uh, she has uh, this pager that she carries with her, and she takes it around. And, um, you know, all several physicians have that, but uh, only the physicians and, you know, my family kind of have that. So we don't give that number out to everybody. If I need to get a hold of her, uh, I can page her. And that's kind of a private number kind of deal. And uh, what happens is when I page her at work, I'll, I'll page her, And uh, when she calls back, if she's calling from the hospital, it doesn't give the actual number of that phone. It just kind of gives the general number 
of uh, the entire hospital. And so the hospital number is 747-3111. So if she calls at another phone, no matter what it is, that's the number that comes up on it. And so several months ago, uh, I called her from the church office, and uh, I plugged the church office number in, and I got a phone call back, and up on the caller ID that we have at the uh, church office, it had, uh, you know, 747-3111, so I knew it was her. And so I answered it like this, hello, this is the world's best kisser, the world's best hugger, and the world's best lover. And the voice on the other end said, this is Donna. the hospital operator, and I am calling to let Pastor Chris Bunch know that there is a uh, person from his church who's at the hospital. And so I said, well, I am so embarrassed by this right now. I said, I'm not Chris Bunch. I'm Mikey Skoglin, his assistant. Now, I may have stretched that a little bit, okay? Not too much, but a little bit. Well, Moses, he comes to God, and he says, Will I have access to you, or are you going to always be on a pager and a distant kind of person? Now, what can I tell people about your heart? What can I tell people about your availability? What can I tell people about your intentions? Can I get through to you, or is the line always going to be busy? Are you going to put up barriers, or are you available? What is your name? And God's response is, I am who I am. God pronounces this great name, the name that is above every other name. I am who I am. I am the God who cares for my people. I've seen the misery of my children. And when they thought that I wasn't looking, I was looking. I've heard their groans. And when they thought I was not listening, I was still listening. I'm the God who saw you in the basket, Moses, when you were floating down the Nile River. And I knew who you were. And I put Pharaoh's daughter to pick you up and for you to live in the palace. And even when you got kicked out of there and you were in the desert... I knew who you were. For this is the God who hides in burning bushes and who still speaks in small voices. This is the God of the cross. This is the God of the resurrection. Get your hopes up, God. Or get your hopes up, Moses, God says, because I know who you are. I want you to know me, Moses. I want you to know my name. And this becomes the most defining moment in history up until this point because God is present in this bush. He's present to people now. And He is willing to meet people right where they're at. God says to Moses and to all of His children, He says, I want to be known by you. I don't want to be a distant God, a faraway God, a removed God. I want to be with you, known by you. 
I want you to know my name. I want you to have knowledge of my name so you can always count on me. So Moses says, who am I? Then he says, who are you? And then the third objection that he has is this. Suppose they don't believe me or listen to me. Say I do this, God. Suppose, though, that they don't believe me or listen to me. Exodus 4 says this, Then Moses answered, But suppose they do not believe me or listen to me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you. So what if they say that? Now look at God's response. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw the staff on the ground, and it became a snake. And then here is my favorite part of this verse. It says, and Moses drew back. I bet he did. I mean, wouldn't you? A snake is there now, you know, you would pull back. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. Now, I just want to imagine that you put yourself in this position. Here's this snake now, and God says, I want you to seize it by the tail. Now, on the odd chance that you would do anything to pick it up whatsoever, and I hate snakes. So I've been like, God, there's objection number four. I hate snakes. Um, But let's say that you have to pick up this poisonous snake, no matter what. Would you pick it up by the tail? No. If you had to pick it up, you'd grab it right behind its neck. So that you could hold on to it so that the fangs weren't going everywhere to come back at you. Because if you had to pick up a snake, you're in a dangerous situation. And if you pull it up by the tail, you're exposed. So the reality is, what this whole thing about is trust. It's all about trust. Who is Moses going to trust? God says, Moses... Give me what's in your hand. Give me your staff. In fact, Moses, give me anything. God says, give me whatever is in your hand, whatever you have, and I will use it in amazing ways and lives will be changed if you will trust me. You don't have to trust me perfectly. You just have to trust me enough to give me what's in your hand. And this morning, I have a feeling that God may be saying that to some of you. What's that in your hand? For some of you, you have money that's in your hand. But you hold on to it so tightly, and God says, no, I want you to kind of give it away to people who are hurting, to the church, to whoever. And you're like, no, 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 I'm going to hold on to it. Or maybe you have clothes, or a car, or whatever it is, that you could just let go of it. You could give it away. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? For some of you, you are good cooks. My wife's a good cook. And she's going to bless me today (laughs) with pork chops on the grill. But some of you are really good cooks. You're good at cooking stuff. There's somebody in your life right now that you know is going through a crisis. 
And they would benefit greatly if you made them a meal and you just took it to them. You took some food off the kitchen counter and you put it all together and you offered it to them in your love, with love. What's in your hand? Some of you have your own home. It's a great place this summer for you to invite neighbors over. One of the best things you can do in the summer, invite neighbors over to your house. Jennifer and I have been so convicted by this that uh, this summer, our neighbor who lives beside us, we're going to invite her and her two girls over because we want to get to know them. Not just hi and bye, we really want to get to know them. What's in your hand? You see, the whole thing is, folks, whatever is in your hand, it's a trust deal. Are you going to hold on tightly to it, or will you free it up and give it to God? Now, at this point, you would think that Moses is ready to follow God's call, but he's not. Moses comes up with obstacle number four when he says this, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Chapter 4, verse 10, says this. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now, that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you should speak. God says, I will give you an ability that goes beyond your own human ability. I will put the power of my spirit into your life. And you will be gifted to speak prophetic words for the sake of my people. God says, by the power of my spirit, my presence, Moses, will come to you. I will give you an ability that is beyond your human ability. God's response is this. It's simple. I will give you gifts from my spirit. I will give you gifts by my spirit. Some of you, some of you who are here this morning... God is calling you to discover and use your gifts. To serve the church in some important way. But the reality is you haven't been serving at all or it's been a long time since you have served. So I just want to ask kind of straight up, are you on the playing field? When it comes to this place called the jar, are you on the playing field? There are many of us that are hoping that the NFL strike comes to an end. Look, people are saying amen. They're like hallelujah, you know. And uh, many of us are hoping that that happens. We want to see them playing on the field in full. I mean, we want to see the Super Bowl come to Indianapolis in 2012 and to see the Indianapolis Colts win another one. I thought there would be more, you know. There's so many fans, though, I know, from everywhere. I thought someone would even throw something at me. Anybody know, though, on Super Bowl uh, Sunday of 2012, uh, how many people will be in Lucas Oil? Anybody know? 
70,000 people. How many people are going to be on the field playing at that point in a play? How many people play? 22. 22. You know, the church can often be like what the Super Bowl is going to be. 70,000 people who desperately need exercise watching 22 people who desperately need rest. Churches sometimes can work that way. You know, one of the goals that we have in the JAR 2.0, the dream that we have that we believe God is going to um, deliver on, is that every single person in this place is using their gifts. Our goal this year is that 60% of all adults will be serving in some way. Some of you could serve in hospitality ministry right now. You wouldn't even have to do anything. You could just go back there and say, Greg, I want to serve. And Greg and Casey would get you signed up and you could make coffee or shake hands or, you know, whatever. Some of you are great with kids. Some of you aren't great with kids. If you're not great with kids, don't sign up for that, okay? But we have the kids camp coming up and some other things. And so uh, rather than sitting on the sideline, you could get involved. I could encourage you to get in the game. Some of you guys, you manly guys, you don't want to do all that kind of stuff, but you could set up chairs. You could set up some chairs before or after. Right now, one of the biggest needs that we have is we only have one person who takes all the outdoor signs and puts them up everywhere. And so we need somebody just once a month. That's all we're asking. Just once a month, you get your pickup truck, put the signs up, put them out, and then pick them back up again. If you want to do that, let me know. And if you have any excuses today, God is saying to you, I will give you the gift of my spirit. So Moses has this objection. I'm not adequate. I am who I am. And God says, I'm going to gift you. I'm going to give you my spirit. Now at this point, you would think Moses has no more obstacles, no more complaints. He's done. But still, he doesn't want to do it. He kind of comes up with the last final broad excuse that takes care of everything. This is what he says. Please send somebody else. Please send someone else. I mean, he's run out of excuses, so he says, just send someone else. And Exodus 4, verse 13, says this. Moses said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. And God gets a little testy with him at this point. And he says in this text, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. But even in his anger, look at the mercifulness that he gives. He says this, What of your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. And then look at this wonderful phrase at the end. Even now, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. God in His mercy, in His severe mercy, He tells Moses, Moses, you do not have to carry this mission out by yourself. You can do it in community. That's God's response. You need to be a part. I want you to be in a community, in a little community. And He gives His brother Aaron, and Aaron can help you. Aaron can come and you guys can be a team. You can do this together. God says, even now... Aaron is coming to you. And it's not just that you're going to do the job together. He says, Aaron is coming, and his heart is filled 
and it is what? Glad. Have you ever been in community with some people before that when they see you, their hearts are actually glad? This week we're having our community cookouts, and the reason we are is because we want people to be in communities that they're living together in, and there are people that are cooking food and ready for people to come so that their hearts will be glad when you walk in there. And friends, we're called to give this kind of kindness to one another all the time. In fact, just take a moment, turn to the person beside you, whoever that is, and just tell them this, man, my heart is glad you're here. Go ahead. Man, my heart is glad you're here. And you see, folks, here's the question on this one. Who is your Aaron? Who is your Aaron and who are you an Aaron to? Who in your life prays for you? Folks, that's why we have small groups. Because there's going to be a time in your life, whether it's this week, this month, or this year, in which you're going to need some people around you who will be praying for you. And if you're not of a part of a small group, how are you going to have some prayer? How are you going to have people that are going to encourage you and love you? God's calling you to do that this week to be a part of one of those cookouts. So God calls Moses, and Moses says, I am what I am. That's all that I am. And he gives these excuses. And then God gives these five cool responses. He says, I will be with you. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, I will be with you. I am who I am. I'm not a distant God. You know my name now. You know that I can always be with you. What's in your hand? Whatever you have in your hand, I can use it. I will give you the gifts of my spirit so that you can serve others. And finally, I want you to be in a little community. I am what I am. That's all that I am. And God says, that's enough for me to do some powerful things. Let's stand for closing prayer. I invite the uh, prayer team to come on up, and if uh, you want prayer for anything after, um, they'll be here to, to pray for you. So let's pray. Uh, God, we're so grateful for the fact that you are the loving Father who is always with us. And Father, we're so aware, we're, we're painfully aware that we are what we are. That in so many ways, God, we're inadequate, We don't have enough gifts to do what you want us to do. We're we're incompetent sometimes. And even worse yet, God, we've sinned against you and other people. But Lord, far more than looking at the mirror and going, ugh, we're so grateful that you're a God 
who has come down to be with his people. And now, God, I pray a prayer, a bold prayer, that throughout this week, you would remind us that we are your kids and that you have called us to show your love in every situation that we find ourselves in. We want to hear from you this week, Heavenly Father. Speak to us. And when you do, God, we we want this to be done so that your name would be made great. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Thanks, guys.